This is an ABC podcast. I felt so alone and so embarrassed being a student leader and having gotten pregnant, you know, so I thought that nobody else would be able to understand me. It's unfair. It's not right for young girls to be fearful of telling their parents that they are pregnant. It also speaks to the social stigma that surrounds this and how young girls view premarital sex. What would you say if your teenage daughter came to you and told you she was pregnant? Maybe you've been that teenage girl yourself. How did your family react? In countries where abortion is illegal and adoption is uncommon, there are few options for a girl when she has an unwanted pregnancy. What she needs more than anything is support from her family. So what happens when she's too scared to tell her parents that she's going to have a baby? I'm Hilda Wayne. Sisters, let's talk about teen pregnancies in the Pacific. The global average for adolescent births is around 4%. However, in Papua New Guinea, Solomon Islands and Vanuatu, the rates range from 5.5% to 6.5%. In Nauru, it's more than 7%. On Sisters, we've talked a lot about the need for sex education. It's one of the best ways to prevent unwanted pregnancies and sexually transmitted diseases. And it can also empower women and help to reduce their risk of gender-related violence. However, all the knowledge in the world won't prevent an unplanned pregnancy if you don't use an effective contraception. Beauty Kamacholoni was 17 and enjoying her senior year of high school in Guam when she found out she was pregnant. I was definitely fully aware and educated about all the precautions that I needed to take in order to be safer and to make healthier choices, but I didn't. And, you know, all those hormones and everything else got the best of me. And I still ended up getting a surprise around Christmas time. Beauty spoke to Sisters Let's Talk producer Kim Lester seeing that my pregnancy test was positive and I was so scared, flooded with all those emotions. But most importantly, like what was bothering me the most was, am I going to be healthy? Am I going to be okay? Is the baby going to be okay? And oh my gosh, what are my parents going to think about this? How did they react? (laughs) Oh gosh, they were so upset with me. They were super disappointed because my entire life I've been such a good student always listening to them, of course, regarding how to behave and how to just conduct myself in a manner that they were pleased with. And I knew I was going to be safe, but oh my goodness, I knew that they would probably want to give me a whooping or smack me upside my head if if they had the choice, but they definitely needed to withdraw themselves and with hold any uh you know reactions of course me being pregnant thankfully I wasn't raised in an extremely abusive household of physical violence many teenage girls in the pacific are afraid to tell their parents that they are pregnant they are at risk of being shamed beaten and even disowned i hear so many different stories about other people who have been kicked out of their houses basically disowned from their families. 
you know, like they would take me to my appointments or uh, I remember my mom just having so much fun, like going out and shopping for all the necessities and things that we would need for the baby. They even threw me a baby shower. So that was that was really nice of them. At the time, Guam was one of the few regions in the Pacific that did offer a safe abortion service. That's no longer the case, and while it's not illegal there, accessing doctors is difficult, and the United States Supreme Court's overturning of abortion rights has impacted the U.S. territory. Thirteen years ago, Beauty's mother asked if she wanted to consider an abortion, but that wasn't what she wanted. I was angry with her, thinking that that would be an option. And I I actually got really upset and frustrated and kind of outlashed at her saying, oh, my gosh, how could you ever think I'm going to do that? You know, not thinking at that moment that it was such a blessing to even just be given the opportunity of a choice because so many people, they don't have the option to get an abortion. They don't have the option to have a choice basically as well as they're forced to deliver the baby if if that's not even what they wanted so that was definitely something i appreciate now and i totally see where my mom was coming from how did your partner react when you told him you were pregnant i think he was kind of afraid that we were going to test positive so he actually told me to hold off on you know taking the test he was happy, but also kind of like, oh my gosh, this is because we were the same age. So he kind of had the the thought of like this, oh, this wave of overwhelm came upon him. And he was like, oh gosh, now I need to grow up. You know, that type of feeling and that type of, of um, emotion came across his face. And I'm like, oh, that was, that was one of the first indicators where I'm like, oh my gosh, is he scared? Like, you can't be scared too. I'm, I, I'm scared already. So I was kind of confused with his reaction, but now I know where it's coming from. It was just because we're, we're still children ourselves, you know, so it was a, a big decision and a big result and outcome for the both of us. Beauty stayed with her teenage boyfriend for a decade and together they had two sons. However, it wasn't a safe relationship and she admits it was harder for her to live in because of their children. Ultimately, though, they did break up. However, the support from her parents never wavered. You'll hear more of Beauty's story later. You're listening to Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia. Marisani Rakwita has devoted a working life to improving the lives of women and girls in the Pacific. In those years, I could see uh, starkly the marginalization of uh, particularly women in my civil service days and uh, saw how that exclusion of women from most sectors of our economy was hindering us as a nation to achieve our full potential. Now she's the Pacific Community's Principal Strategic Lead for Women and Girls, and improving outcomes for adolescent mothers is one of her key priorities. And she has her own experience with the issue. I have a daughter, she's 22 now, penultimate at university. She has a three-year-old girl. She was just going on to 19 when she had a baby. I instantly blamed myself because I didn't talk to her about sex either. And I went to university. I just assumed that she was a very intelligent girl, that she would know these things. 
Mary recalls how scared her daughter was to break the news. It was in the middle of the night. She wrote a letter and she left it on my drawer. I woke up in the middle of the night and I saw this letter. I went over to her and I hugged her. To bed and I hugged her. I told her, don't worry, we'll go through this together. And they got nothing to worry about. Mary's organization, SPC, or the Pacific Community, is the key partner in the Pacific Women Lead Program, which aims to bring Pacific women and girls access to safety, resources, opportunities, and decision-making in line with men and boys. Mary spoke to producer Kim Lester about how Pacific communities and their governments manage adolescent pregnancy. And it's estimated that one in six young women in the Pacific, one in six, that by the time they reach 18 years of age, they have already commenced childbearing. And that's a big number to worry about the implications of these unplanned pregnancies, of these teenage pregnancies on our economies, on our productivity as a nation, and of course, on the lived realities of young women. What are the options for girls with unplanned pregnancies in the region? When we think about it in the context of uh, policies, there isn't much. A lot of the work that goes on in the region in relation to options for girls really is vested in uh, non-government organizational work and regional organizations like the SBC. A lot depends on the family unit on the support that families can give to a young mother, a teenage mom that has had no, most of these girls, they don't even have access to the information that they should be having access to in relation to their bodies and how their bodies work, in relation to sexual reproductive health and the rights pertaining to that. So the options are pretty slim. One of the options in these scenarios in most countries would be abortion. In the Pacific region, abortion is largely criminalized. So what that does is that it drives these young girls to go into traditional practices that they've heard of from their moms, from their grandmoms, from their sisters, from their friends, about how they can abort a baby. And most of these traditional um, methods, because they're being done by a young girl who doesn't know how to practice traditional medicine, for example, ends up uh, becoming a danger to their lives. Lives of girls have been lost due to uh, accessing traditional methods of abortion that they don't have any knowledge about. I think it's a, it's a really a wake-up call for governments to pay attention to this and to drive responses to teenage pregnancies from a policy point of view. Mm. What tends to happen to girls who aren't supported by their families when they have an unplanned pregnancy? Family support is so critical for teenage girls uh, going through unplanned pregnancies. Those who do not get this support from home, the first challenge is what do they do about this pregnancy? And there are certain uh, non-government organizations, religious organizations, that do take on such girls, but they are not publicized because it's being treated in an ad hoc manner. And I also am not aware of any government institution that takes care of girls as such. 
coupled with that, they drop out of school if, if a girl is in school. And it's very hard for a girl to get back into the education system if there is no support from home. That in itself has then a uh, collateral effect on other sectors of the economy, on productivity, on economic empowerment of uh, these young girls, and the list goes on, on violence itself, on gender-based violence. When a family knows that their young girl, their daughter, is pregnant, the first reaction primarily would be to give her a hiding. Mm. I've seen uh, girls in uh, communities growing up. I would ask my mom, why why does she have her hair all cut, cut off, shaved off her hair? And then that's how they would shame girls who once parents know that they are having premarital sex, they do this stuff to shame them. And that correlates to the social stigma that uh, surrounds premarital sex. It's a no-no. Parents would rather assume that, no, my child is not having sex because she's not married. They'd rather take that view than to prepare their child, to talk about sex to their child, to um, take them to the necessary clinics to be aware about the modern contraceptions that are available to them, the risks associated with it, and to make an informed choice about these things. It's a, it's a culture of rather not talking about it. And what can the outcomes be for the babies when girls are either not supported by their family or fearful of telling their family that they're pregnant? There are a lot of um, real-life stories about girls, how they've dealt with their pregnancies that they've hidden right up to childbirth. I've heard of uh, a girl who is in boarding school leaving a baby in a closet at school and running away, babies being left by the roadside, all because of the fact that they know they will not be accepted in their homes, and they're even scared to let their parents know about these things. I mean, uh, those girls that do carry through with these pregnancies, the, the studies that have been carried out in this area, uh, there's a finding that largely these babies are accepted by the mother's families uh, when they're born. And for me, from a uh, an advocate and implementation of uh, regional technical organization perspective, it is so crucial for us to ensure that we have the right data, that we have the right platform to leverage our responses in. Pacific Women Lead has carried out research across several Pacific countries to learn more about the experiences of people with unplanned pregnancies, which they hope will help shape government policy and support programs. National governments need to take ownership of this. Donor money can do a lot, but if national governments do not tackle this head on and address it on a policy platform, we will not get the kind of traction that we want to see in the next decade at least. So everybody needs to put their hands in and do the work around this, including families in particular. Going back to what options are available to girls, is adoption common or is it seen as uh, one of the options for girls with unplanned pregnancies? Adoption is definitely an option that uh, I'm aware about has been uh, practiced in some instances. 
either outside of the family, but more likely within the family of the girl. And then we also have what they term as traditional adoptions. It's not as common now, but it's um, still big practice in uh, certain uh, countries and communities here in this country as well, where a baby that's uh, been born and would be adopted by an aunt or an uncle or a relative to bring that child up and give that child the opportunities that they may not necessarily have if brought up by their own mum. Yeah. What do you feel needs to happen? Not not so much in terms of prevention and education, but once young girls become young mothers, what needs to happen to improve their lives? I asked my daughter this question yesterday. If you had the power to do anything you could for girls who went through the same thing that you did, what would it be? And her answer was economic empowerment. These young girls need to be able to stand on their own feet and look after their baby and get them back into the education sector. Like for her, it was different because we supported her and got her back on track and got a babysitter for the baby. Uh, But in most instances, that's absent because most times these girls, because of the experience of having an unplanned pregnancy and the social stigma that surrounds that in our communities, it's very hard for her to ask for things, even from her own parents. So it's the ability to get these girls to stand on their own feet and provide for their baby and to also provide for themselves to get them back on track. In 2013, 13 countries forming the Pacific Parliamentarians for Population and Development released the Moana Declaration, which affirmed their commitment to making sexual and reproductive health an integral part of national development strategies and identified adolescent reproductive health as a priority. There is a recognition at political level. So it's really a call on uh, parliaments. Uh, We've made a commitment at that level It's time now to really make that happen and see it happening in real life in our national governments. It's estimated that half of our Pacific region's population is under the age of 23. This fact alone will affect every area of development in the Pacific in the coming decades. We have a 2050 strategy for our Blue Pacific, and the future of that Blue Pacific a sustainable and prosperous one will depend a lot on how we treat our young of today. And what are we going to do about issues pertaining to them? Are we going to harness their potential to drive economic growth, innovation and leadership now and into the future? Or are we going to marginalize them? And before governments and donor agencies and technical organizations can make a response to this, it has to be the parents first and foremost. That's Mary Rakuita from SBC's The Pacific Women Lead. You're listening to Sisters Let's Talk on ABC Radio Australia. Parental support made a difference for beauty Kamacho Loni, and so did her life experience as a big sister and cousin. By the time her baby came along, she had changed her fair share of nappies. Here she is again speaking with Kim Lester. I researched and read as much as I could, watched so many different videos, um, you know, tried to 
hear stories from other people and how to get things done. Because I've never given birth, of course, but I have helped raise some babies within my family. So I knew the basics of diaper changing, showering, feeding, all that type of stuff. And um, my baby sister and I are actually 13 years apart. So I pretty much was parentified into, you know, taking care of her and um, my younger siblings as well. So I was pretty confident in raising them. But oh my gosh, it was such a challenge to do things on our own and my aunt by myself uh, most of the time because the the father didn't make the best of choices throughout our relationship. And I ended up having to, you know, result on handling business by myself. Yes. What about financial and social supports? What was available to you as a young mother in Guam? Social support was great. There were so many different things like meetings and a lot of networks that we can go to and meet up with. But in regard to financial support and financial education, financial literacy, there's basically nothing here except for what's provided by our banks and online classes that aren't even, you know, rooted in Guam. So that's actually one of the things that I'm working on is to help educate younger people on how they can, you know, root themselves in in making better financial decisions for themselves. But yeah, at that time, I was so unaware of what I could do for myself and my children. So basically just doing what I knew, which was working as hard as I could, hustling, you know, just trying to get every contract here and there because I was already um, on my way to opening up my business, my first business. And it was just still such a struggle. Like it was such a struggle to be able to pay bills, get diapers, you know, like the typical single motherhood that people can imagine for themselves or, or anybody. I really envisioned something better for myself and my children and my family in the future. So it was really nice to be able to stay rooted and hopeful and determined to do better for myself so that my kids and I don't struggle in the future. You actually continued high school as a senior who was pregnant, which I find remarkable and also just well done to you for doing that. Who supported you to be able to do that? What made that possible for you? Man, really just my parents, of course, because they kept me in the home. And if I did not have that, I think it would have been more of a struggle and a challenge to continue my education. So I was very fortunate that my parents did not kick me out and they were so loving and, of course, disciplined with me. So just wanting to graduate, that's a, that's another thing that they said to me as well. Is like, you just better make sure you graduate. And that that's that's not something that ever slipped my mind. I always wanted to still graduate. I was actually still in the Student Body Association as the president. So I was the one that was overseeing all of the different clubs and grade levels and their clubs and their activities. And a lot of people were like, hey, you know, you should, you're, you're expecting, you shouldn't stress yourself. But it kept me busy. And I think if I wasn't doing anything, I probably would have been more stressed than, <laughs> than not. 
While some people might try to hide their own past experience of adolescent pregnancy, one of Beauty's greatest supporters at the school was a vice principal who had been a teenage mom as well. That was such a blessing to have heard her story because I felt so alone and so embarrassed being a student leader and having gotten pregnant, you know, so I thought that nobody else would be able to understand me, but there she was. When my principal found out that I was pregnant, she's like, hey, you know, here, you talk to her because she actually went through the same thing. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Uh, so we spoke about everything, cried, laughed, you know, and uh, we were able to just get on the same page and just have the goal of uh, graduating as something to maintain. And it wasn't too hard for me because I wanted that for myself anyways. But yeah, she was it was so nice to just be able to walk past her and chat for a little bit or say hi and you know just to show that there was somebody in the school who definitely had my back 100%. That's amazing and you do that now you mentor teenagers and and talk to them about your experience what is your message to them? I am invited to a lot of different talks um, from many different age levels grade levels and education levels so for the teenagers, particularly when I go to middle school, I talk to them about more so understanding who they are and focusing on themselves and their goals and their dreams, their aspirations. And I tell them my story. I let them know what I've been through, the rawness, the realness, the very graphic details <laughs> of what I've been through so that they are aware that it's not just in the movies. It's not just on reality TV. It's not just on your phones, on Instagram or TikTok. These are real things that people go through. And without the emotion attached to it, then you aren't really aware of, you know, what it's going to be like for yourself. What I try to do again to when I speak to the to the teenagers and the teenagers is just to have them focus on themselves because I know that that's something that I really would have excelled better. Like I, I think I would have excelled better in my life if I really just stayed true to myself and learned um, who I was and what I wanted to be at the youngest age that I possibly could have. I think because when we are surrounded by our teachers and our mentors and all these other people who influence us, we kind of have this other idea of want to be, but only to make somebody else happy. And I try to let them know like, hey, figure out how you can make yourself happy first. That's Beauty Kamocho Loni speaking to our producer, Kim Lester. While it didn't work out with the father of her two sons, Beauty S. married a good man who she knew in high school, and last year they had a baby boy. This is Sisters Let's Talk with Hilda Wayne. Thanks to both our amazing guests today, Beauty and Marisini Rakuita. I hope if you ever have a young girl come to you and tell you she's pregnant, you won't react with anger or shame and instead take Mary and Beauty's advice and offer them all the support they need. With this episode, I would like to let you all my listeners know, wherever you're listening, that this is going to be my last episode for now. But the show will go on. Since this show started on the 13th of May, 2021, I was honored to share the voices of many incredible women from the Pacific, my sisters. 
I didn't realize the impact this show had on not only women who listened in each week, but also the men, our fathers, brothers, cousins, and uncles. The love and respect you have all shown through your feedbacks and comments on our social media or just speaking with me just humbles me knowing this was more than just a job for me. Apart from being a mom to my sons, Fidel Koldop and Nigel Rumba, hosting this incredible show, Sisters Let's Talk, has been a true blessing and highlight of my career. I have put my heart and soul into this because that is what I got from women who came on the show and spoke to me. I hope you have been inspired one way or another to realize that women's issues do matter. Their stories matter and are important and appreciated. This show will always be a place where Pacific women's voices come together, so continue to tune in each week. I hope that I can come back and do what I love doing in the future, but for now, I would like to say thank you to my colleagues at Radio Australia for all the support and help in making this show what it is. From the bottom of my heart to all my sisters who have come on the show and for all the love and support from listeners, big platenke through. Thank you all so very much. And Tasolna, God bless. Sisters, Let's Talk is created on the lands of Binda, Wulguru Kaba, Duranbul, Wurundjeri, Jagera, and Turbul peoples. And we pay respect to elders past and present. Thank you.